Coming up on the Extreme Anime Radio Podcast, our interview with Sarah Yoshida cosplayer, Swedish Ballerina. She previews her upcoming cosplays, and as her name implies, she's a dancer who will give her take on ballet cosplay tips as we get ready for our dedicated program on the topic. Safety is paramount to this. I think it's important for people to remember that point shoes are not an accessory or an aesthetic item. They are tools of a trade. Another Sarah cosplayer and longtime listener brings you news on the Love Live franchise. Mako-chan will give you the scoop, including details on a concert event screening at cinemas across the U.S. in February. Are you thinking about visiting the land where anime was born? Meet one of our Instagram followers, Lilith, who has parlayed her love and passion for Japan into passing two Japanese language proficiency exams. I really enjoy going to Japan because it's such a safe country and it's so unique that I really feel like Japan's one of those places where you just don't overplan for it, you just wander. And then she, along with Nev Kanuck and myself, will give you some travel tips and observations based on all of our visits to Japan. Thank you for checking out the podcast. We'll get started next, here on... the greatest city in the world to fans of anime and the Japanese culture all over the world. Welcome to the fourth Extreme Anime Radio podcast, the final podcast for the month of January. I'm J.R. Horst. Thank you so much for joining us for podcast number four. We've already gone through a whole month with our podcasting, so I do appreciate all of you for tuning in and checking us out however you Listen to us, uh, iTunes Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and all the other various platforms. This podcast that we're doing is going to be all pre-recorded. Uh, for this week, Neff and I were not sure about being able to do a podcast uh, live stream because of various things going on in our lives, so I figured we'll just do a full podcast with all sorts of segments mixed in for you. And boy, do we have an action-packed podcast for you this time around. We have Nef Canuck, we have 
Mako Chan, Swedish ballerina, and Lilith, all contributing to our podcast. So I want to thank all of them in advance. We're going to have, as we said in the uh, opener, Mako Chan giving an update about Love Live. We're going to have an interview with Swedish ballerina, one of the Sarah Yoshida cosplayers. We're also going to be speaking to Lilith, who is one of our followers on Instagram, also took a photo or two cosplaying as uh, Sarah. She loves Japan. She's going to tell us more about that. She's going to give her tips on Japan travel. Those tips will also come from Neff Canuck and myself based on our experiences. So it's an action-packed podcast, and we're so excited that you can join us. Remember that you can go and stream all of our podcasts at Anchor, anchor.fm forward slash anime radio. And remember to follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash anime radio, Instagram at extreme anime radio. And if you want to learn more about Sarah Yoshida, our extreme anime radio mascot, you can go to the Sarah Yoshida dedicated page at facebook.com forward slash anime radio mascot. We're going to start with one of Neff Canuck's travel tips, which are going to be sprinkled in throughout the broadcast. And then after the first tip, Mako-chan will tell you all about Love Live. This is the Extreme Anime Radio Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here's Neff Canuck. This is Neff Canuck, and this is the Extreme Anime Radio Podcast. What I'll be talking about? Internet access while in Japan. If you need access outside of the free Wi-Fi that's available generally throughout Japan, you have several options, the easiest of which would be to ask if your local provider offers roaming while in Japan. This can often be the easiest option because you would use your minutes and your data as if you were at home. However, it can get quite expensive. For example, my provider, TELUS in Canada, offers $12 a day or 24-hour period in Japan roaming to a maximum of $180 plus taxes per billing cycle. If you'd rather save some money, you can also rent pocket Wi-Fi hotspots while in Japan. Well, actually, you can rent them in advance and pick them up when you arrive, most of the time at the airport. Other options include picking it up at your hotel. And drop-off can be as easy as dropping it off in a prepaid envelope in a local Japanese post box. Since your hotspot will be battery-powered, it's a good idea to take along a portable battery pack to keep the hotspot charged. But remember, you can only bring into Japan a battery pack less than 20,000 milliamp hours in size, any larger, and it will be possibly taken away from you at customs and destroyed. Also note that the use of VPNs in Japan is legal and the internet is generally restriction-free. So with a little bit of planning, you can have all the data you want while in the land of the rising sun. All the better to take selfies and send them to your friends or post on Facebook or follow us on Facebook at Extreme Anime Radio. This has been Nefknuck with a Japan travel tip. Have you heard about those places out there that sell personalized video greetings from celebrities? How would you like a personal greeting? And who better to star in your video message than Extreme Anime Radio's mascot, Sarah Yoshida? Sarah Shoutouts! featuring the cosplayers of Sarah Yoshida. 
Sarah shoutouts allow you to select a Sarah cosplayer to provide a personalized shoutout or greeting on video. Want to wish someone a happy birthday or a happy holiday? Good luck on a test? Ask for advice? Too shy to say something and want Sarah to say it on your behalf? There are many possibilities. And most importantly, proceeds from your personalized video will go directly to Extreme Anime Radio in order to pay the station's operating expenses. For more information on how you can schedule a Sarah shout-out, please email extremeanimeradio at gmail.com. Terms and conditions apply. Mention you heard about Sarah shout-outs on the podcast and get yours for only $16. Hello everyone, my name is Mako-chan Cosplay and I am one of the Sarah Yoshida Cosplayers and I'm here to talk to you about Love Live news. So in case you don't know, Love Live is an idol anime revolving around, depending on your series, a school that is on the verge of being closed. Um, it was self-described back in 2010 as an ultimate user participation project that lets the fans vote on the future of the fictional idols in the first group's performances. So that would be Muse, so Honoka, Umi, Kotori, Rin, Hanayo, my best girl, Maki, Nico, Ellie, and Nozomi. I'm proud of myself for remembering every single one of them. So, the first Love Live School anime, uh, Idol Project anime premiered in January 2013, and the second season came in April 2014, and their movie came in 2015. Love Live Sunshine was announced in February of 2015, and it became exactly, almost exactly like um, the first series, but it included a new group called Aqua. That included Chica, Rico, Yo, Ruby, my best girl from this group, um, Yoshiko, Hanamaru, Kanan, Daya, and Mari. Um, this was done in a fictional seaside town. And what these two groups had in common is their school was getting ready to close down. Uh, Muse saved their school from getting shut down but aqua didn't concerts have arose from them aqua's still going muse effectively retired to make room for the third love live group which is niji saki uh and niji gazaki gakuen school idol dokokai which is niji saki academy's school idol appreciation club it is a very long title, so we in the Love Live community have nicknamed it Nijigaku. It is a brand new group, and they just had a big ninth anniversary concert, including all three groups, including Saint Snow, which is the rival group of Aqua. They had announced previously that Nijigaku was getting ready to get their own anime. Uh, they just announced that in December before the huge concert. They have no other details regarding 
the um, anime, except that it's going to kind of change form. If you have played or have heard of um, Love Live School Idol Festival All-Stars, that was the game, the mobile game that introduced Nijigaku and told us the story of their creation and how, while they are a group of nine, they are also competing against each other as soloists. The game is only in Japanese until this spring, so I can't give more details on it yet. But just announced, and this is breaking news to me, the franchise is going to have another new anime. And it features the tagline, Watashi o kanaeru monogatari. Hello. The story of my dreams coming true, Hello Love Life, is its translation. It's a reference to the previous tagline, Minna de kanaeru monogatari, which is referring to the fact that all of the school idols' group names, centers, lyrics, and other aspects are decided by fan vote, which has been the norm for every single group. They hold polls in Japan all the time about who should be the headliner for uh, live concerts, who should be the center for the new single, or um, even who should make up what subunits. In addition to this, the franchise is going to open casting call auditions for one of the main characters in this new project in March. The auditions are going to be restricted to unmarried women from the ages of 15 to 22 as of April 1st. Um, They won't accept applications from those currently in middle school or lower and those with existing contracts with record companies or talent management agencies. They're looking to get more new raw talent, it looks like. And the event, the Love Life Fest event that just happened a couple weeks ago, previously said this in this month that the franchise is going to launch a new project, which I can only assume is um, the new anime that I just previously spoke about. Um, so regarding the live, it has already happened. It was an extremely popular live um, items from the live selling out all over the place. The light sticks, backpacks, light stick holders. There was a lot of merch. But the U.S. fans have hope. There is going to be a delayed viewing, courtesy of Fathom Events, on February 25th at, if I remember correctly, 7.30 p.m. Check FathomEvents.com for a theater near you. I'm part of a Love Live dance group called Munite that performs at conventions around the D.C. area. And we were going, and I'm the only one that's not D.C. local, so I was going to drive up to join my fellow group members, but then my local theater got it. So I'll be seeing it with my fiancé and another friend. And... Hopefully, as I've heard, they sell merch at these delayed viewings. So hopefully I'll get my hands on a couple of things. That is all for Love Live news for this week.
thank you so much for your support in Extreme Anime Radio and our new chapter as a podcast. And I hope to talk to you guys again soon. This is the Extreme Anime Radio Podcast. I am now joined by another one of the cosplayers of Extreme Anime Radio mascot, Sarah Yoshida, who has big, ambitious cosplay plans for 2020. Say hello to Swedish Ballerina Cosplay. Hello there. Welcome to the show. Hey there. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year to you, and you've explained to me uh, you have some big ideas for 2020. Could you... uh, Start off by telling us about perhaps some of what those plans might be. Yeah, so the past couple years, I've been doing smaller builds, smaller projects, but more of them. This year, I really want to focus on larger, more complicated projects, making a few of them, but one of them may or may not involve giant mechanical wings. <laughs> um, <Ooh. laughs> But uh, and various lights and some computer programming with the lights and the patterns and whatnot. Um, I'm also planning on doing my first foam armor build, which is a big deal for me because I've pretty much stuck to sewing so far. Mm -hmm. That's my comfort zone. So now I am all out of that comfort zone with foam, uh, giant wings and mechanical (laughs) builds. It's going to be exciting. Well, sewing seems to be a lot of uh, comfort zone for a lot of people, right? Yeah, I think because it's a it's a well established skill with a lot of resources, right? Sewing has been around for quite a while, <laughs> um, but you know, programming and mechanical engineering in cosplay and wearable items, not so much. So it's a lot of winging it, so to speak. It's scary, but it's mm. exciting. How long have uh, you been cosplaying? When did it first start for you? I've been cosplaying since about 2014. Mm -hmm. So, gosh, I guess six years now (laughs) that it's 2020. I started with my... I've been going to comic conventions ever since I was a little itty-bitty kid. My parents would take me there. And about the year before, so 2013, I noticed a lot of people were dressing up. And my mom was trying to teach me how to sew. I didn't want to because I didn't understand that I would be using it at all in my life. Mm. And so it was a natural meeting point where I could spend time with my mom learning how to sew cosplay Mm. and enjoy the convention with my dad. So it was um, kind of a natural start, I suppose. Very nice. And uh, are there any... uh favorite cosplays of yours that uh, come to mind oh gosh i have so many i think probably my favorite so far is the recreation of the cinderella dress from the live action movie Mm. i can't fit through doors in that skirt and it's really fun (laughs) Um, (laughs) i it's just so floofy and beautiful and contains over 80 yards of fabric and i learned a lot of new techniques yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> 80 yards, jeez. Yeah. I uh, At some point during that project, I definitely wanted to light the whole dress on fire a couple times. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, no. you know, I'm glad I didn't because it turned out beautifully and I love wearing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but still, that's almost a football field of fabric. 
Goodness. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot to work with, a lot to sew, a lot of experience. Um, I don't know if I'll make another ball gown like that. <laughs> That's so massive in scale, but we'll see. If I could ask, how much does something like that weigh? You know, it depends on the fabric type. Thankfully, I made the dress out of light chiffon, really light fabric. Okay. So the whole dress, including the underskirt and petticoats, probably only weighs about 10 pounds or so. It's not too bad. Yeah, not bad at all. Okay. Uh, I'm here talking with uh, Swedish Ballerina here on the Extreme Anime Radio podcast. And um, I'm trying to think very carefully. I believe there is a reason why you are Swedish Ballerina. Uh, you must have been a dancer at some point uh, in your life, right? Yes, yes, I was. I have been dancing ballet ever since... Again, I was a little squirt, um, mm -hmm. and I also danced professionally for a little while. And I had an injury which forced me to change careers abruptly, but I did enjoy dancing um, when I was able to, and that is where my name comes from. Swedish, simply because I have strong Swedish ancestry, uh, tall, blonde, blue-eyed. It's actually a gamer tag. <laughs> that my <laughs> husband gave me at the time we were just dating but he was like oh you're a swedish ballerina because i was still dancing at the time too and it just kind of stuck <laughs> that's basically what i was about to say yeah so so it's very very nice and uh so you've been uh you've been ha have been dancing for quite a while and uh you occasionally uh, do still integrate uh, some ballet work into some of your cosplays, like the most recent ones I've seen on your Instagram? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's a unique piece of me that I get to share. Cosplay is just a fun hobby for me, and since I can't dance anymore, it's a way for me to express my performance and creativity. And recently, uh, with Spider-Gwen especially, and Spider-Verse coming out, and mm -hmm. her being a dancer and having point shoes that immediately clicked with me. And I was like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> uh, this is perfect for me. So I was actually able to paint a pair of point shoes that I had that lovely teal color and incorporate that into my spider Gwen cosplay, which was really fun for me to do. It's uh, it's kind of uh, sort of evolved from princess Tutu from several years back as the big, ballet cosplay, whether it was uh, Ahiru or Cray, um, now to Spider-Gwen from Into the Spider-Verse is the, is the latest trend. And something we're talking about here on our show is uh, cosplay and ballet safety. And I know you feel very strongly about that. So what would you say to somebody who would be interested in, say, cosplaying Spider-Gwen? So the thing to keep in mind with any type of cosplay that involves ballet shoes, specifically the point shoes, um, I have seen a lot of anime characters and a lot of cosplayers at conventions that have these characters that do have point shoes as part of their ensemble. Um, and safety is paramount to this. I think it's important for people to remember that point shoes are not 
an accessory or an aesthetic item mm. like we would typically think of clothing and shoes to be. Right. They are tools of a trade. It takes training to use them safely and properly. You can seriously damage your ankles and your feet if you try to use these without the proper training. I kind of equate it to as if you're going into a woodworker shop and start using all this haas and equipment in there with no experience or training. Mm. You're going to hurt yourself. That's the same for point shoes. I think a lot of people don't realize that. They just think, oh, they're shoes. Anybody can use them. You really have to think of it more as an actual tool of the trade in that respect. I'm actually learning more about it myself with the uh, conversations I'm having with you and some of the other Sarah cosplayers who have dance experience. Um, If I could ask you, how long did it take you to work your way up into where you, you were comfortable doing point work when you were dancing? So point work is highly specialized and does take intensive training to do safely. It took me a full year of training with them every single day for several hours to really be able to do any kind of moves or safely dance with them competently. Uh, It takes about two to three years to do anything that you would see like in a anime or show or that a character would be doing. Just keep in mind that that is not something you can just go do. (laughs) It's not safe. All right. I've also I've also been learning that uh, people have told me every person's foot is different, so it's got to be uh, when you're fitted for these type of shoes, it's got to be done in a certain way. You go to a, a, a location like a dance store, you got to try on several different ones until you find one that you're comfortable with, right? Yeah, and there's actually a lot to that because I worked for a dance company and actually assisted in fitting point shoes on brand new dancers when they were in class and learning there. It's not like you can just go on Amazon and order a pair of point shoes. <laughs> they right. are so incredibly specific to your exact uh, foot shape, how, where you carry yourself, where you place your weight, your toes, like how those are aligned, how high your arch goes up. Um, there's, it's an incredibly exact science. Actually, it would usually take about an hour to two hours just to fit and find the perfect pair of point shoes. And that often changes as well as you advance in your dance experience as your foot and your technique changes. Mm -hmm. So there's, it's very specific. Yeah. I've, I've seen the results of some poorly fitted point shoes and it's not pretty. (laughs) So, so ideally this, this could be like a, like a whole day thing trying to find the perfect shoe, just like Cinderella. Exactly. Yep. (laughs) What other alternatives would you uh, offer uh, to cosplayers who want to integrate ballet sort of into what they want to try to do? Yeah, absolutely. So, and this is something that, you know, I would do myself as well. Even me having the dance experience, point shoes are not comfortable. (laughs) I do not want to walk around Mm. in a convention in those all day. That's terrible. And that's me being a trained dancer. Like that just sounds awful to me. Mm. Um, So what you can look for, there are two types of ballet shoes. There are the point shoes, which you shouldn't wear unless you have been properly trained in. Um, And then there are what they call ballet flats. A lot of people probably are familiar with that term as regular shoes. 
that's a name that where it came from. But there are flat ballet shoes. They're usually made out of leather or canvas. I would recommend the leather ones if you're going to walk around outside and then the canvas ones would wear out very quickly. And then you can get the satin ribbon and you can tie the ribbon around your ankles and sew it to that ballet flat shoe and get that same aesthetic and that same look that you're going for with the point shoes. It's a lot safer. You get that same look if you're worried about the cosplay accuracy and authenticity. And it's much more comfortable and safer for everybody involved. Right. Some others have told me some people kind of worry about uh, you know, the accuracy of what they're trying to do without really using a lot of common sense. Yes. Yeah, I have seen some cosplayers that are not trained in the use of point shoes at conventions before. Um, it is worrisome to see. It's not me saying with any sort of elitism or anything like that. That's not the case at all. It, it is. It really is a safety issue. Um and, you know, I've gone up to some cosplayers that I've seen and just been like, hey, <laughs> how do you feel on those? Like, maybe it looks like struggling a little bit. And then they would say, oh, yeah, I just got them for the cosplay. And I'm like, OK, and here's some safer options, <laughs> you know. And behind door um, number two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the the ballet flat is definitely the the, the better choice. And it it will satisfy that need for accuracy, which I get, you know, I definitely um, have been guilty of that, of wanting it to look exactly <laughs> like my character. So I think you're definitely in a safe, safe realm there using that ballet flat shoe. All right. Um, any other thoughts on this uh, subject to uh, tie a ribbon around it, as we say in the industry? <laughs> Um, I don't think I have anything else to add. Just stay safe out there. And I'm also happy to that people are interested and involved in the ballet world, too. That's it's interesting and it can be a lot of fun. So if you want to follow uh, Swedish Ballerina, she is on Instagram at Swedish Ballerina. Some sound advice from a cosplayer with ballerina in her name. <laughs> is there um, anything else um, that you'd like to say uh, to our podcast listeners? Well, let's just make 2020 an awesome year. I've got ambitious plans, and I think we all do to make this year a good one. So I wish us all luck. Thank you, Swedish Ballerina, for your time. And I wish you good luck with all of your plans in the new year. <laughs> Thank you. This is the Extreme Anime Radio Podcast, and we'll be right back. This is Nev Canuck, and this is the Extreme on Radio Podcast. What I'll be talking about? Entry procedures when entering Japan. You must have a valid passport and an onward or return ticket for tourist or business, visa-free stays of up to 90 days. Your passport must be valid the entire time you are staying in Japan, and you cannot work on a 90-day visa-free entry. There are countries where a visa is required, so check local requirements. As well, your passport must have at least one blank passport page for the entry and exit stamp. And, although vaccinations are not required, you may in fact want to look into getting vaccinated for the following things. Hepatitis A, Hepatitis B, 
Japanese, encephalitis. Rabies, meningitis. Polio, measles, mumps, and rubella. Tetanus, diphtheria, and pertussis. Chickenpox, shingles, pneumonia, and influenza. As well, uh, there are currency restrictions for entry into Japan. Any currency amounts equivalent to a million yen or more are subject to declaration upon entry to Japan. And when leaving Japan, any amounts of one million Japanese yen or more are also subject to declaration. Do note, however, you will also be asked to provide fingerprints when entering Japan on both hands. And finally, before traveling to Japan, check with your local government to see if there are any travel advisories or other restrictions when entering Japan. For example, the Canadian government advises against any travel to Fukushima and the surrounding areas due to the nuclear accident that occurred in the area. This has been Nefkanak with the Japan Travel Tip. Welcome back to the Extreme Anime Radio Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to us today, or whenever you're listening to us. I'm joined now by somebody who loves Japan. Please say hello to one of our Instagram followers, Lilith. Hello there. Hi. Welcome to the Extreme Anime Radio Podcast. How's everything with you today? Good, and you? Not bad. We're chugging along, chugging along. Uh, Lilith is one of our followers on Instagram. By the way, if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at Extreme Anime Radio. Uh, we know that uh, Lilith has some uh, background in dance and ballet, and we're going to be speaking to her on a future show about ballet cosplay safety, which is a topic that we've been bringing up uh, since we started these podcasts. But uh, Lilith, one of the things we noticed looking at your Instagram musings is your love for the Japanese culture. So could you please explain to our listeners how that all started? Yes. Um, when I was from a very young age, my dad used to tell me stories about living in Japan for three years when he was in the Navy. And my mom grew up with lots of Japanese friends, so she was always very involved with the characters and snacks and fun stuff. So I've just really grown up with the culture around me. Lots of immersion in there, definitely. And we do thank uh, your father for his service in the Navy. Really appreciate that. Um, how did it all start for you uh, as far as cosplay goes? Um, on our first trip to Japan a few years ago, we picked up a Harajuku Lolita-style dress, and I wore it to a few cons, got a lot of questions about it, and that's where it all started. Wow. Do you have any highlights when it comes to cosplay? I really love um, cosplaying with Harajuku Lolita outfits, especially in Harajuku in Japan. It's so fun. So you've kind of mixed yourself into the actual scene. Yes, I have. It's quite entertaining. Wow. So how how many times have you been to Japan? Uh, three. Three times. Wow. And uh, let's see. I've been there four times, and I'm still kind of struggling with the Japanese language. I can get away with normal conversations. You, on the other hand, have gone full speed ahead, and basically you have immersed yourself in the language itself. So what made you interested in learning the Japanese language? I'd been dabbling in it for a few years, especially after our first trip to Japan. But um, I had a friend that had actually done the JET program, and she really inspired me to go for it and try 
taking a Japanese language proficiency test and getting more involved with it, and it's really just gone from there. So for our listeners, the JET program is basically the program that invites uh, uh, basically foreigners into Japan to teach uh, English to Japanese students. Am I correct? Yes. Okay. And uh, so it all started there. And right now, uh, according to your Instagram profile, you are in an N4, which I believe is the uh, the second level of proficiency out of five, right? Yes. So how does that all work? Um, the levels move backwards, so five is the easiest, although it is by no means easy, uh -oh. and one is the hardest. Mm -hmm. So level four was a lot of business talk and kind of more technicalities of the language, so it requires a lot of uh, attention to detail. So it starts with N5 and then moves up to N4 and eventually gets up to N1. I wonder what N1 is. I've heard it's literature. Oh, no. So Matsuo yeah. Basho, uh, that sort of thing. Yes. <laughs> so um, what are some of the differences? Well, I'm sure N5, you said, was a beginner's level but really difficult in comparison. What did you have to learn for N5, and then what did you have to learn for N4? Is there a certain minimum that you have to learn for each of those? Um, I mean, there's a general minimum. It changes every year, so there's no official vocabulary lists or anything. But I would say N5 is definitely a focus on um, the basics and levels of politeness and um, a lot of talk for school if you were going to college there or Mm -hmm. any kind of transfer programs. Okay. And what do you think is the best way to uh, learn the Japanese language from your experience? Did you do class study, self-study, a combination of the two? I have never done class study, but I'm sure it's helpful. I can say, though, that it is possible to learn Japanese on your own, but definitely get a tutor. They're online. They're not that uh, difficult to come by, and it really helps if you can get a tutor that is native Japanese but speaks English. They'll ex be able to explain so much to you and help you really get a hold on the language. Okay, okay. Now, time-wise, how long did it take for you to prepare for each of the two exams that you've passed so far? I'm a little on the crazy side. I studied only for two and a half months for N5, but I barely squeaked by and then i've had an, another year to study for n4 which was a lot better time wise okay and you and you passed them both on the first try yeah oh wow very good for you and especially considering all those tests are in japanese so you actually have to read japanese in order to understand the questions yes oh boy <laughs> so for those listening um, there are basically three types of uh, languages you have to learn for Japanese or different types of uh, characters, correct? Yes. So those being hiragana, katakana, and kanji. So are there basic kanji you have to learn for each of the exams, I would assume? Yes. So N5 is usually 100 kanji, and then N4 is usually 300, I believe. Wow. And it goes up with each level. 
So that's kanji, and that's an addition. You have to learn the other hiragana and katakana characters, I think, right? Yes, you have to have mastered those. So we're really talking about, what, uh, another 50, 60 characters then? Uh, yeah, 46, I think, for katakana and hiragana each. Oh, each? Okay. Each character has certain variations, right? Yes. Okay, I forgot to add those in my head. <laughs> but uh, So you've been to Japan three times. Please tell our podcast listeners why you like going to Japan. I really enjoy going to Japan because it's such a safe country and it's so unique that I really feel like even my mom and I went this summer for a month, just the two of us, and we felt like we could really explore and get out there. And there was no question of safety or anything. Japan's one of those places where you just don't overplan for it. You just wander. Okay. Um, and what are some of the places you have enjoyed visiting? Well, my absolute favorite is Sanrio Pearl Land from, in Tokyo. So for anybody who's a Hello Kitty fan, it's a must-see. Um, other than that, I absolutely have loved all the different sides of Tokyo. It's so fun to be able to go shopping for anime goods and visit a traditional tea house all in the same day. It's really a unique city. Oh, wow. So that's good advice, considering I hear other people saying, all of Tokyo's a tourist trap. Blah, 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 blah. There's a lot more to see. <laughs> what else besides Tokyo would you say? Um, I, this summer, I ended up going up north to the Furano Lavender Fields and to Otaru, which is a little village. It's near the top of Japan that's kind of like craftsman shops, and it's very European style. And both of those were really interesting and like never not like anything I've seen before. I would warn you, though, that they're difficult to get to. Otaru, you're talking about in Hokkaido, right? Yes. Wow, all the way up there. Yes. How did you get there? Did you fly? Did you take the train or what? We took the Shinkansen, the bullet train, but it only goes up just onto Hokkaido. So after that, it's another three and a half hour train ride to right. Sapporo. And that's not even up to where we went. Right. How about some advice for people who uh, want to visit Japan? Do you have uh, any tips or tricks or suggestions? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is not to overplan because once you get to Japan, there are so many interesting things that you can get sidetracked by. It's really relieving to not be on a schedule when you're in Japan. And another thing, too, would be for anyone who's interested in shopping, especially anime, manga goods, I would say definitely bring some extra bags. I came with half a suitcase with everything I needed in it and returned with two duffel bags and two suitcases just full of cosplay. <laughs> yeah, so you're in favor of basically when you get to Japan, just wing it. Yeah, I think it's a very easy country to do that in, and I think that's how I've discovered some of my favorite places there. Oh, and that's also a very good tip with the luggage, considering uh, the baggage allowance to and from Japan is quite generous. You get about well, at least two bags, right? Yeah. Okay. It's not that expensive, too, to add another. No, not at all, not at all. Um, all things considered, it's easier to bring everything back yourself as, as opposed to trying to ship it back yourself, definitely. 
Yeah. Well, on your next trip to Japan, where would you want to go? I would really like to go to Tokyo Disneyland. We used to have passes for the Disneyland here in California, but I'd love to see the Japanese take on the Disney rides. I've heard the Haunted Mansion is actually creepy and a couple other things. So I'd love to go there. And then also I'd really like to go to Fukui, which is kind of on the western side of Japan. Okay. There's not much there, but it's a huge spot for paleontology, which has actually been an interest of mine since I started high school. And you can go out to sites where they're digging up fossils and all kinds of cool stuff. That would be why, because I've learned about some of the train stations in Japan, there are dinosaur displays outside of the Fukui train station. That would be why, huh? Yep. Definitely. Wow. Very, very interesting plans for you, Lilith. We really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us today. And again, you're going to be joining us on a future show to talk about dance and ballet cosplay safety. But uh, any final words of advice for our listeners today, uh, for those who want to dive in and learn the Japanese language, perhaps like you did? I would say just do whatever you find interesting. The rest will catch up. As long as you're having fun and inspired to keep moving, you'll progress really quickly. Well, we thank you, Lilith, for joining us here on the podcast today. We really appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you on our future program. All right. Thank you. And we'll have more on travel. We'll hear from Neff Canuck after these messages here on the Extreme Anime Radio Podcast. Have you heard about those places out there that sell personalized video greetings from celebrities? How would you like a personal greeting? And who better to star in your video message than Extreme Anime Radio's mascot, Sarah Yoshida? Sarah Shoutouts, featuring the cosplayers of Sarah Yoshida. Sarah Shoutouts allow you to select a Sarah cosplayer to provide a personalized shoutout or greeting on video. Want to wish someone a happy birthday or a happy holiday? Good luck on a test? Ask for advice? Too shy to say something and want Sarah to say it on your behalf? There are many possibilities. And most importantly, proceeds from your personalized video will go directly to Extreme Anime Radio in order to pay the station's operating expenses. For more information on how you can schedule a Sarah shout-out, please email extremeanimeradio at gmail.com. Terms and conditions apply. Mention you heard about Sarah shout-outs on the podcast and get yours for only $16. This is Neff Canuck, and this is the Extreme on Radio Podcast. What will I be talking about? Let's call it quirks about your accommodation. When traveling to Japan, one must understand that you are entering a foreign country, whose rules and customs may be different from your own. Some research beforehand will help you avoid any social faux pas. We're going to focus on one of the most Japanese places to bathe, in this case, the Japanese onsen or hot spring. There are actually seven generally accepted rules for visiting a Japanese onsen. We'll start with number one. Wash before entering the onsen. This may seem counterintuitive, but it is believed that you should wash before entering the onsen as the onsen is not meant for as a place for bathing, 
as much as a place for relaxation. Rule number two, you must be completely naked. That's right. Upon entering the onsen, the towel will be taste on the outside of the onsen as you dip into the water, and you would use your hands to cover those bits that must be covered. This ties into rule number three, where modesty is appreciated. Rule number four, never dip your towel in the water. This harkens back to the fact that the towel is believed to be dirty. And rule number five, don't go under or get your hair in the water. This is meant as a bath, not a swimming pool. Rule number six, no tattoos. Again, that's because tattoos are seen as dirty and associated with the Yakuza or Japanese mafia. And finally, rule number seven, stay and relax after your dip, as the Japanese onsen is meant to be a place of tranquility and rest. This has been Nefknak with a Japan travel tip. Welcome back to the Extreme Anime Radio Podcast. J.R. Horse, back with you. Some sound advice from Nef Canuck uh, throughout the program, and also uh, from Lilith and in the interview I did with her earlier. Uh, just to follow up on uh, the last segment that Nef did about uh, bathing in onsens. He did mention a taboo when it comes to tattoos. However, I do have to point out that in recent years, uh, there has been a movement, which is slow, but has been gathering a little bit of momentum with regards to um, relaxing the rules on tattoos because foreigners, a good number of them with tattoos, are visiting Japan more and more, and those tattoos have really no criminal meaning or no ties to the Yakuza. So because of, um, in particular, the increase of foreign interest in Japan, uh, there has been a move, and in fact, I believe the official tourist organization in Japan has been um, moving on this for the last few years of trying to convince onsens around Japan and public baths as well, uh, which are called sentos, there's been a movement to try to convince them to uh, relax their rules on tattoos. So hopefully, um, as the years go by, uh, there'll be a growing number of uh, facilities that will be more welcoming to um, the tattoo-wearing uh, population. So just something to keep in mind. Um, Neff also mentioned earlier about uh, immigration procedures, and that was one of the topics I was actually going to bring up. Not in so much as the immigration procedures, but the fact that before you visit Japan or really any country, make sure you get a passport. You need some sort of passport from your home country before you worry about Japan or pretty much anything else. So if you're listening right now and you want to visit Japan and you don't have a passport, then go to the website for your national passport agency, whatever it may be in your country. Uh, here in America, it's the U.S. State Department. And complete your application for your passport. And then 
make an appointment with your local post office to um, do uh, your passport application in person. First-time applicants for passports usually have to go uh, to somebody in person. Generally, it's done at the post office. Uh, The post office will handle your paperwork. They also have to notarize uh, an official signature that you'll have to make on your passport application. Uh, They can also do passport photos if you want to. Um, But then after that and you receive your passport and it's time to renew it, you can pretty much do um, your passport renewals by mail with a newer version of your photo. But uh, yes, find out what you need to do to get a passport and then... Check the visa requirements. Um, As Neff said, uh, a lot of the visa-free stays in Japan are up to 90 days. Um, Some of the visa-free arrangements, I think, go up to 15 or 30 days. Some go up to six months. So it really depends on um, what country you're visiting from. Some of the major countries have visa-free arrangements. Some others you will have to uh, apply for a... uh, Visa in advance of your travels. But rule number one, and I will always repeat this, get yourself a passport. Some of the other things I wanted to talk about, uh, it's a long flight to Japan. If you fly nonstop from major destinations in North America, you're looking at 12 to 14 hours, depending on the uh, length of flight and the uh, headwinds or tailwinds, to get to Tokyo. So... A few tips to survive the long ordeal. Number one, make sure you find yourself in a reasonable seat. Choose a seat that's a few rows away from a bathroom in case you are a frequent bathroom visitor. And uh, maybe wear some uh, comfortable clothing on the flight with a little something extra in case you sit near a window or sitting near an emergency exit where it is liable to get a little more cooler. Every so often, be sure to drink some water and stay well hydrated. Avoid anything uh, carbonated too much or alcoholic. In moderation a little bit is okay. But uh, for other times, just drink regular water. You can uh, buy water at the airport uh, after you clear security. Uh, Before you board the plane, you can also um, bring your own empty water bottle and fill it up with uh, water at the airport. A growing number of airports are offering um, free water service where you can just fill up your own bottles. A nice way to save the environment and save your wallet. Uh, Or you can just go with the usual method of uh, getting the water on the plane. Every so often, you will want to stretch and walk around. Um, For a flight to Japan, I would normally do it if I was sitting in coach. Every two to three hours, I would try to get up from my seat, walk around a little bit uh, near the galley, and um, stretch out. Uh, Stretch your legs, stretch your hamstrings, stretch your arms, stretch whatever muscles you have, basically. Um, Because, uh, yeah, you don't want to be sitting in one place for way too long. Otherwise, you may find yourself uh, too stiff to move, and that will make you pretty uncomfortable. Uh, Those with back issues especially, try to um, 
tensing up uh, the muscles in your back and stretch your back out every so often. What else? You can also give yourself uh, a sleep aid if that will help you relax uh, during the trip. Although, if you do that, there is something I do need to warn you. In Japan, certain over-the-counter medications, which would be acceptable in the U.S., Canada, North America, some over-the-counter medications are actually illegal in Japan. And we're talking a lot of um, antihistamine medicines, stuff like Sudafed or anything uh, to that sort. Certain drugs like that are banned. They are considered stimulants and narcotics in Japan. So if you are trying to take those and Japanese Customs catches you, you are liable to be detained or even worse. So if you have any stimulant drugs like that, leave that at home. If you have drugs that may be illegal in Japan but you're required to take for medical reasons... Uh, check with uh, your local Japanese embassy or consulate for advice. You may be required to um, get uh, official permission from them to bring whatever medications you need into Japan. Very important to um, consider that. One other thing I will talk about here very briefly is uh, an age-old question that a lot of tourists will ask when going to Japan. How do I get a Japan Rail Pass? And a lot of the major tourist agencies will say, you definitely need a Japan Rail Pass. A Japan Rail Pass is a requirement. Blah, 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 blah. I ask, do you actually need one? Because depending on your itinerary in Japan... A Japan Rail Pass might not be necessary. The Japan Rail Pass is um, one of the great things about Japan travel, actually. It is uh, an unlimited pass for travel on almost all trains of the Japan Railways. And you can buy them in uh, versions of seven consecutive days, 14, and... Uh, 21 days if you're staying in the country very long. And you have a choice of between standard class and first class, which they call the green cars. Uh, to put it in perspective, if you are traveling round trip between Tokyo and either Kyoto and Osaka on the bullet train, uh, then probably it will justify you purchasing a something like a seven-day Japan Rail Pass, especially if you do any extraneous travel besides that you will definitely need a um seven day rail pass um i ended up buying a 14 day japan rail pass on my first two trips to japan because i did enough travel to warrant the rail pass uh but on my two trips after that i did not get it um the third trip i did uh with uh, mary hop uh we did a one-way trip uh, in Japan or an open jaw. We started in Nagoya, made our way around uh, Kansai, and then we went off to Tokyo. So because we did a one-way itinerary like that, a Japan Rail Pass wasn't justified. Uh, 
On my most recent trip to Japan, I did an itinerary where I traveled mostly on local trains. I've been talking about following the old Tokaido Road. That journey, I did not spend enough when I added the costs in advance to justify having to buy a Japan Rail Pass. So whenever you're putting together um, an itinerary, it's always useful to consider your options. Write down a general list of where you want to go. You can also, as Lilith have pointed out, just uh, have a few ideas in mind and then just wing it when you get there, especially if you're traveling uh, outside of the major travel seasons. You can pretty much get to Japan's uh, major cities or destinations rather easily, and you can also do it in the spur of a few minutes notice. If you know where you're going to go, what train you're going to take, you can make a train reservation on the Japan Railways or whatever uh, up until a few minutes before the train leaves. And that just speaks wonders about how great Japan's transportation network is. So definitely do your homework in advance to see if you need a rail pass. You could also get a multitude of regional passes that are available. Some cover just Tokyo. Uh, some cover just uh, private railway networks. There is an excellent pass in Kansai, for example, called the Kansai Through Pass. So if you're in the Kansai region of Japan, so we're talking about Kyoto, Osaka, Nara, Kobe, that particular area, if you're going to be doing a good deal of travel in that area in the span of two days or three days, then you might want to consider a uh, Kansai Through Pass, um, which is sold um, at major tourist information centers, and it will give you unlimited rides on almost all private railways in the Kansai area. The Japan railways are the exception, but there are a host of private railways you can take in the Kansai region and that will get you to your um, destination very, very efficiently. So there are ways you can add up your fares. Um, Hyperdia, H-Y-P-E-R-D-I-A, uh, that is a very convenient tool to search uh, Japanese train timetables. And that will also tell you the cost of your trip. So consider looking up long-distance trips especially. Um, if you're going to go Tokyo to Kyoto, Tokyo to Sendai, Hokkaido, Hiroshima, or whatever two cities, that might be a long-distance trip by uh, a bullet train or one of those conventional long-distance services. As long as it's on Japan Railways, add up the fare to see whether or not any sort of Japan Rail Pass will be justified. In future podcasts, we'll be talking more about Japan travel, I'm sure, especially since I might be looking at another trip to Japan, which would be my fifth, coming up uh, pretty soon. I don't want to say when, but uh, hopefully it'll be soon enough. <laughs> um, if you are interested in learning more about uh, Japan travel, I will do a shameless plug for my travel blog, which is Jose's Japan Tips. And the website for that is myjapantips.com. 
So you can go there and uh, look up all of my posts about Japan travel, travel tips, itinerary suggestions. I haven't posted much lately as I have in the past. Um, I did do a post recently about some changes they're making to the Japan Rail Pass that will make its functionality easier for foreign visitors. And I think they're doing this as um, foreign uh, tourists increase and because well, Tokyo will be hosting an Olympics and Paralympics later this year. You'll actually be able to make online seat reservations with the Japan Rail Pass. You'll be able to reserve seats at ticket vending machines. You'll be able to pick up your seat reservations at ticket vending machines. And you'll be able to use the automated ticket gates to enter the Japan Railway system as opposed to the man gates. Something uh, not possible right now with the uh, current version of the Japan Rail Pass. Those changes are going to be rolled out sometime in March, I believe. So um, definitely stay tuned uh, for more details about that. Again, I'll be posting more details on my blog, which is myjapantips.com. You can also look up Jose's Japan Tips on Facebook. Well, it has been, as I said, a busy podcast, and we've just about come to the end. So I want to thank everybody for listening tonight or today, or whenever you might be listening. Uh, we will be back with our next podcast soon, and uh, hopefully we'll also have our next live stream coming up soon as well. Now, uh, as I've said before, if you want to learn when our next live stream is, then please follow us on social media, because those will be your only indications for you to um, join our live stream. So... To follow us on social media, go to Facebook at facebook.com forward slash anime radio. You can also follow us on Instagram at Extreme Anime Radio. We also uh, post sometimes on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Anime Radio, but we don't post there frequently compared to our posts on Facebook or on Instagram. We will give you a heads up as to when uh, the next live stream will occur. And then you can go to uh, AnimeRadio.net, which is the old website for Extreme Anime Radio. There will be a link to the chat room there. You can enter the chat room using your favorite IRC client and entering the details you see on the screen or by clicking on the Ryzen or Mebit links to join the chat room. Join the chat and uh, all of the uh, fine listeners of our station and of the podcast to share your thoughts about whatever's on your mind or whatever we're talking about. So um, hopefully the next podcast uh, will feature Neff and I in a live stream, which will then be edited down and played later uh, through the various podcast channels. If you do have any other questions or comments, please email extremeanimeradio at gmail.com. And also remember, as we've plugged a couple of times during the podcast tonight, the Sarah Shoutouts. Um, we still have a few hundred bucks worth of operating expenses from 2019 that we have to take care of. And Sarah's shout-outs are just one way you can help us out. So if you would like to have one of these Sarah Yoshida cosplayers record a special greeting from you towards a special someone, please email us for more information at extremeanimeradio at gmail.com, and we will give you the information. Remember, you get a discounted rate if you mentioned that you um, heard the um, Sarah Shoutouts ad on the Extreme Anime Radio podcast. 
Well, folks, I appreciate you guys listening once again, and I hope you will join us next time here on your Extreme Anime Radio Podcast. For Swedish Ballerina, for Lilith, for Mako-chan, and for Nef Kanuck, I'm J.R. Horse. I thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>